Hey, it's Bilal Vakani at BilalV87 on Twitter. Monday Night Raw is getting very weird. We'll get to the main event, which was Divorce Court. But there is a silver lining. There are a lot of new stars getting pushed with, with this divided roster. And this was also the go-home show for WWE Crown Jewel, which, if you forgot, is about 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Halloween Day. But let's get right to it, because this is a very weird Raw. You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. All right, so the main event, the, the main, main event, the last 15 minutes of Raw was totally devoted to Lana and Rusev in divorce court, hosted, of course, by Jerry the King Lawler, because nobody's had more diverse divorces in WWE than him. Bobby Lashley talked to Lana backstage and told her that he could come out there if she wanted. Lana said, no, I got this. So we get to divorce court, which is sort of a bit of a spoiler. I don't know they could have just called it something else. And we go back and forth. Rusev had his ring. He was hoping to get back with Lana. Lana lashed out at the WWE Universe, blamed them for this. And then she said, all Rusev wanted was sex. And I know I know you cucks love this, so I'm going to go into detail. And Rusev replied, well, you can't blame me. It's about the mo- most uh, generic man answer to that question I've ever heard. And quite hilarious. Lana went on to say Rusev was a sex, dad, sex addict. And then she completely contradicted herself by saying, well, he wanted a baby. Well, Lana, if you have a baby, you don't do the sex after you have the baby. So those two things actually don't work. Anyways, she then informed us that wasn't the reason they broke up. The reason they broke up is because because Rusev cheated on her. And her source was, of course, Bobby Lashley. Rusev said, well, he said an S-bomb right here. And basically said Lashley, Lashley was talking... S slash, I'll call it, but the S bomb. Lashley came out, and initially Rusev was ready for him. He got the drop on him, laid him down. Um, but eventually, Alana started striking Rusev with the kendo stick. But Rusev was so mad, this didn't do any damage to him. But it gave Lashley the chance to hit a series of low blows, and then they kissed over Rusev's battered body. And that's how Raw ended. Weird, weird, weird stuff. Like. This is definitely on trend if you were to go by uh, people's porn history in terms of what they watch on Pornhub. But this is not what I want from main events on Raw. I get that it's a B show now, and I I sort of explained that a few weeks ago. And I like that Rusev, Lashley, and Lana are having a bigger role on television. I'm not sure you want to go all in, and, and pardon the pun there. It is a pun. On the storyline. Like, it's an okay subplot. I don't know if it's your key narrative. And I know WWE will get a lot of reaction for this. Good and bad. But when we start to go over the rest of the show, um, there certainly were some other things uh, that I thought should have been the main event. And I'll point them out. But at the end of the day, Lana, Jerry the King Lawler, Rusev, and Bobby Lashley, they're great workers. They're really giving this everything so it's hard to be critical of them. I, I just, I don't know why Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon seem to think this right now is their biggest angle. I think it's totally fine to be part of a three-hour show. That's a lot of time to fill. But your top angle? I don't think so. Anyways, Humberto Carrillo was backstage and uh, he was talking to the OC. AJ Styles made it pretty clear that he picked the wrong champion to debut against and that AJ was the top champion on Raw, which 
is not how I remember the U.S. title, but hey, glad AJ's thinking big. So he challenged him to a match. AJ, of course, beat him in what was another sensational match. And then after the match, the OC began beating down Umberto. But luckily, the Street Profits came down to make the save. And this was a relief because earlier in the night, the Street Profits had a, a long ring entrance and cut a mini promo that just ended into a long ring extra. So this was a better use of them compared to what I saw about an hour before. But these guys are really getting over. Obviously, on, on a main event, uh, Raw, on a big stage, they just you don't get that intimate feeling that the NXT audience can have. You can't hand out all the sippy cups. But these guys are really getting over, and they really are becoming one of the highlights of Raw. Uh, it helps to have, obviously, the OC and AJ Styles to help lift up uh, Humberto and the Street Profits as strong characters. Now, what I thought was the main event was Seth Rollins taking on Eric Rowan. Now, he cut a promo earlier in the match where he successfully plugged St. Louis, where the show was, and he really accurately pointed out that, well, this is just sort of one part of my journey to take on Bray Wyatt on Thursday. This was a Falls Count Anywhere match that was a hell of a lot better than that Cody Rhodes-Jericho thing on AEW Dynamite where they sort of went backstage and danced around. There's no way I could describe it. This was hard-hitting, this was impactful, and it gave you a sense of what to expect from Wyatt and Rollins at Crown Jewel. Rollins, of course, got the win, but Rowan looked excellent here. Uh, he looked like he could hold his own with Seth, and this could have very easily been the main event. It's great. We also had uh, Paige coming out to start the show by herself, and then it got a little interesting because the Kabuki Warriors came out, and P Paige was, was very over here. The fans were very happy to see her. She had a new look. She had white, got some white in her hair, kind of looked like Storm from the X-Men. And the Kabuki Warriors, well, they, they were top heels in terms of the women's division at the moment. So they got in the ring. They kind of continued. And then Asuka, Asuka and Kairi Sane started taking the mic from Paige. And eventually Sane knocked it down. At which point, when Paige went to pick it up, she got misted by Asuka. And my God, did Paige sell this incredibly well. And then Becky came out for the save. She started taking on both Kabuki Warriors before her scheduled match with... Kyrie Sane, this Optimus Prime style, she took them all on, surprisingly worked, and Becky also picked up the win against Sane, despite Asuka potentially getting involved at a few different points. Now, you might have asked, where's Charlotte? Well, we found out uh, through a backstage uh, walking montage of about 20 seconds, maybe 10, that Charlotte was tagging with Natalia to take on the Iconics. I sort of figured you put Charlotte in Becky's corner, but I guess that's not a great use of Charlotte. And clearly, Bex can handle herself. The tag match we got was excellent. The Iconics, they didn't get to cut a promo before. And we didn't really get much backstory into Natalia and Charlotte from them in terms of a backstage segment. But obviously, the commentary did a pretty good job, better than AEW, of setting up that, you know, they've never teamed before. But they have this rich history going back to NXT, which many of us will remember Natalia really helped bring Charlotte to the forefront as a veteran, and certainly they fought for the title, I believe, after that. Anyways, uh, they got the win. Natalia actually hit the sharpshooter on Billy Kay. I actually thought this was going to be a figure four on to Peyton Royce. So this was a nice little uh, change here, and maybe while Becky's taking care of things as the women's champion on Raw, maybe we'll get Charlotte and Natalia having a tag run, we, I know, from Total Divas, because I watched that, and I enjoyed more than AEW, that... Natalia sort of wants to be part of this tag division. And this is a really cool way to do it and give Charlotte a sort of side quest. So I'm, I'm all about that. 
and uh, great to see the Iconics back on TV. We had Ricochet and Drew McIntyre again. Uh, this one ended in a DQ because 50-50 booking, but luckily the DQ was pretty good. It was Randy Orton in his hometown, coming out of nowhere with, I think, an RKO. Crowd loved it. Pretty pretty good stuff. Obviously, Flair and Hogan were on hand. They were sort, sort of playing this up. And, you know, that's kind of a bit of a throwaway ahead of their big match at Crown Jewel. This worked. What worked even better was Andrade and Selena Vega. No live mic for Selena this time, as Sin Cara was in Gorilla, where he said he was going to fight fire with fire, and he introduced his wife, who many of you will remember from the WWE Hall of Fame, also a luchador, uh, Carolina, or Caroline, but he said Carolina, so I'm going to go with that. And that's how he was com- going to combat Selena Vega. And there was an excellent, excellent spot where Selena Vega was sort of on the ring apron, and Carolina came to kind of pull her off. She went for the Hurricane Rana. Carolina, who's got a little more uh, muscle on her, picked her up, powerbombed her quite convincingly, but Sin Cara, of course, being Sin Cara, he botched it by getting too excited for his wife, and he got rolled up by Andrade, who used the ropes. But this was excellent. Andrade gets the win, but Sin Cara looks like a, a face who's making the moves to try to fix things. Uh, so great to see his wife as part of this. Selena really sold the impact of the powerbomb. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, I'm very impressed here. We also got R-Truth taking on Buddy Murphy. Charlie Caruso uh, interviewed R-Truth before the match. And obviously what we got was a hilarious promo where uh, after losing to the Singh brothers and the 24-7 title, Truth had got himself a pair of glasses. So now he, like the Singh brothers, would have two sets of eyes. Pretty funny. And he joked about becoming potentially the 52-time 48-7 champion European television when Buddy Murphy's music cut him off. Buddy sort of grabbed the mic uh, eventually after getting to the ring and just told Truth he wasn't focused on him, but after tonight he would never forget him. Buddy Murphy got the win, but not in the way you would think. Uh, And it was also told to us that these two guys would be part of a battle royal to decide who will face the U.S. champion, AJ Styles. The same night at Crown Jewel, also Humberto Carrillo will be a part of that. The Singh brothers came out, and they were basically being chased in an endless circle around the ring because 24-7 championship. Truth joined the circle, although he joined it at the end of the circle, and he was so close that if he had just turned around, he could have caught the Singh brother who was the 24-7 champion. Instead, he ran out the better part of a nine count, got back in the ring, and then lost to Buddy Murphy. And after the match, he didn't seem too concerned. He just went out to go chase down the Singh brothers. But a good spot for Buddy Murphy, a good win. Very good stuff, and I'm glad Buddy Murphy is getting some TV time here. I don't know where Cedric Alexander has gone, but nevertheless. We got another uh, AOP promo. And, and I just sort of went into this going, oh, what are they going to do now? And they really did a great job. They sort of spoke about why they weren't speaking English to keep their competition off. And they proceeded to actually speak in English for most of this promo and, and explained that they were going to master things on multiple levels. And this was all about sort of mind games and sort of the art of war, if you will, or violence, as they would say it. But really, it's the art of war. Very, very strong stuff. These have been a lot of promos, but I, I see the spot they're in, and I give the writers and, and the AOP a lot of credit. They've done this very well to the point where if they show up and win the world's greatest uh, tag tournament, tag team turmoil, World Cup thing in Saudi Arabia, I think that would be a great spot for them. Or they might just show up and take on the Viking Raiders, or they might just start showing up and going through jobbers. We also had Alistair Black 
not as successfully in his room, talking about how he might be a madman for doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. But he was going to keep doing that, and that's that. I'm glad Alistair's a part of this show, but I think we need to do something else with him. This is sort of past the point of me caring. We also had the Viking Raiders uh, taking on a couple of jobbers, which I wasn't crazy about, except that they were called the Chicago Cubs, and one was, I guess, named after Anthony Rizzo. One was named after Chris Bryan, but maybe just the last names to avoid legal complications. And this was pretty hilarious. Unnecessary, but hilarious. Very good stuff. And that was Monday Night Raw. To recap very quickly, not crazy about Divorce Court being the main event, but you can easily look at that Seth Rollins, Eric Rowan match and say, well, that was really the main main event. Uh, and, and the Umberto Carrillo match with AJ Styles was worthy of that as well. And certainly the way Umberto, the Street Profits, Buddy Murphy, uh, among other talent, including Sin Cara's wife now apparently, are featuring and Andrade and Selena Vega is great. The roster split is starting to work. This is a slow process. Obviously, we're, we're in that last stop before Crown Jewel, so that you don't want to get carried away pushing into Survivor Series or other rivalries. So, a good Raw. Uh, great. And I quite enjoyed it. You can tweet me at Bilalvi87 on Twitter. I'll be back on Wednesday with a look at AEW. And I know I've been very critical of AEW Dynamite. And a few of my comedian friends from Montreal... They're going to join me on Wednesday. They've really been enjoying AEW, so I'm going to give them a chance to throw it out, why they like AEW, and we'll have a fun debate. And they're funnier guys than me, so it'll be an absolute pleasure to chat with them. Uh, you can, as always, tweet me at Balavi87. And, of course, I will also do a podcast at some point for Crown Jewel. It's happening while I'm working, so it might end up at a time like this. And, of course, we'll look at SmackDown on Friday, so there'll be a lot of podcasts coming your way, four of them this week from me, but... All of them kind of interesting? Maybe. Until then, I'm up. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 